Welcome to another episode of Team Anywhere, where CEOs, leaders, and experts at building teams, companies, organizations, and amazing cultures share how to lead from anywhere in the world. I'm your co-host on the East Coast, Judy Bianco Mathis. And I'm your co-host on the West Coast, Mitch Simon. And we invite you to join us to Team Anywhere. Tired of taking notes during a Zoom call? What if someone else took notes, highlighted the most important parts, and pulled out the most pertinent audio clips at the touch of a button? Today, we interview Richard White, the founder of the first most popular application in the Zoom app store. As soon as you find out about Fathom, you'll never take notes in a meeting again. Hello and welcome to our episode of Team Anywhere. I'm your co-host on the West Coast, Mitch Simon. And on the East Coast, we have our incredible, wonderful, amazing co-host, Dr. Virginia Bianco Mathis. Ginny, how are you today? Oh, I am fabulous. Fabulous. Thanks. Today on the podcast, we have Richard White, the founder and CEO of Fathom, a free app and an incredible app that I started using yesterday. It records, transcribes, highlights your Zoom calls so you can focus on the conversation instead of taking notes. Fathom is the second most popular application in the Zoom app store and is one of a small handful of companies that Zoom has invested in directly. And we all know we've been spending all of our money to Zoom and now that went to Richard. So that's really great. So, hey, Richard, before we get into your story, what has surprised you the most over the last two years? (laughs) <laughs> I mean, it's been a pretty surprising two years. So that's a, it's a high bar. What surprised me the most over the last two years? So this is my kind of like second startup. And so I think everything is a little bit surprising the second time around in terms of how quickly we can move when we kind of know how to play the game because we've played this before. And I often, I see using like this video game analogy. I feel like startups are like playing this big video game. So then it's like one of those video games like Minecraft that doesn't tell you how, what the rules are, or how to play. Uh, and so yeah, the first time yeah. you go to play, you're like, I don't know what to do. You know, and the second time you're immediately punching trees to get wood because you know that's what you do. (laughs) I love that analogy. And and so I think that's probably the most surprising thing is that, you know, the last startup I did ran for about 10 years. And so, you know, it's been a while since I've been back to zero to one phase, but I've been kind of surprised by like, it's honestly a lot more fun the second time around here. And it's been great. That's right. You know where the trees are. So tell us a little bit about your background and then go into your philosophy around remote work, because obviously, at least this startup is all around remote work. Yeah. So my background is computer science. I'm actually originally from North Carolina, studied computer science. Early on in my career, went to work with one of the first Y Combinator companies. And Y Combinator is now a pretty famous kind of like seed funding organization. Mm. They funded things like Stripe and Airbnb and Twitch and stuff like that. But back then, they weren't really well known. And that's how I really kind of broke into, I think, this really cool like group of entrepreneurs moved out to California about 15 years ago, started my last company, User Voice. And that company actually started off being remote. And I think my first YC company, I worked half remote. So almost every company I've worked for in the last 15 years, there's been some hybrid or full remote kind of experience. And so User Voice started off as remote. We were remote for the first year. And then we put an office in San Francisco and then we put another office in North Carolina. And then I spent most of my life shuttling between these two offices. Oh, uh, and so we started Fathom kind of right deep in the beginning of the pandemic in about like September of 2020. So there really wasn't a a choice to have an office, right? At that point. 
But even if there had been a choice, I wouldn't have taken it because I was already like, you know, I actually was kind of being nomadic at that time and just traveling around. And so I was like, this is great. I was working from a cabin in Tahoe. I was like, this is fantastic. We have an office. So I think it's way easier to build a company from the ground up around remote work. It's a lot harder to kind of shift. You know, I watched my last company, you know, we had two offices and then try to like rebuild everything for this new kind of like remote work that was foisted upon us by the pandemic. And it's a lot harder of a shift. So with Fathom, you just shared with us that Fathom launched a couple months after the pandemic began. Had you already thought about Fathom before the pandemic or was it as a result of the pandemic? The idea kind of came before the pandemic. And so I think January of 2020, we went to lockdown in March 2020. I was doing actually research for another product and I was on like 300 Zoom calls in the first like six weeks of the year. And I love these kind of calls. You know, I love getting in there and kind of doing, putting my detective hat and figuring out like what pain points do they have? How do we solve them? What I don't love about those calls is like hurriedly trying to like type out notes while I'm talking to someone and then like trying to clean up those notes right after the call. I always joke I'm single threaded. So if I'm typing, I'm not talking. And if I'm talking, okay. I'm not typing, right? So it's really awkward for all involved where I'm just like, hold on, you write that down. So there's so many amazing insights and nuggets, you know, got turned into like one liners in my notes. And I would come back to them three weeks later and be like, I don't remember exactly what this was, right? And, <laughs> yes, and, yes. And I would spend a lot of time taking notes and I'd still have that experience. And then even worse is I would spend, you know, I'm on all these calls, not just for my own edification, but to come up with insights and learnings to share with our team and say, hey, look, I did all these calls. Here's what I learned. And when I go back to the team and say, here's my three bullet points of what I've learned, people would just be like, okay. And like something was really lost in translation. And that was kind of Genesis for Fathom was something that helps me so I can just have a conversation and not try to take notes, but also something that allows other people to have the same experience I had firsthand on the call. And so I actually did an experiment where, you know, instead of me sharing my three bullet points with my team, I was like, here's three 30 second clips of people getting excited or frustrated about what, you know, we've been building. And it was just game changing. All of a sudden you saw the engineers get way more motivated. You saw everyone lean in and be like, oh my gosh, because they had the same experience I had, right? Like humans, we are emotional creatures, right? And the reason is the first experience you had is I think what a lot of companies who thought, oh, okay, now remote, you know, the ones who had to make the shift would say, all right, I'll just share with you the highlights, which was a common thing to do in the face-to-face world. I had this conversation, here are the notes, here are the bullets, here's the summer. And they just were taking those old ways of behavior and plopping them in. And of course, they fell flat. I love what you just said. No, you didn't share the transcript, which you could have done, but you took the most exciting highlights. And then your platform allows you to do that easily. Whoa, there's your customer reaction right there. (laughs) I'm just thinking about how, first of all, I'm blown away by that idea, by the way. But it's almost to say that when you have a meeting with like, 12 people in a room and you want to say, well, what happened? Well, who took notes? Jenny took notes. Here's the notes. But if you actually put those 12 people on a Zoom call and you record it, then you really have... like Jenny and I are always really particular about audio quality. You actually have really good capture of the emotions of the meeting because people don't want the summary. People want those three or four most amazing, energetic... Emotion. You hit the, you the nail on the head. last call was where's the aha? Where's the breakthrough? Notes are not going to change anybody's lives, but those audio moments are, okay, we are evangelicals for your product right now. Tell us more about Fathom. Yeah. So we started the 
company. Like I said, fall of that year. We're still a pretty small team. We're actually the number one app now on the Zoom Marketplace. Wow. Um, Congrats. And, number uh, one. Yeah. And we're doing kind of a pretty unique thing where we're giving the product away for free. And we kind of can do that because we know that we know at scale, we can operate this pretty cheaply. And we also think that, you know, there's some features we're building for teams where we can monetize there, but that allows us to kind of give it away for free to individuals. So it allows us sure. to start break into companies. And, you know, we're seeing obviously a lot of traction for anyone on Zoom calls, which is almost everyone these days, but especially folks that are on customer facing Zoom calls, right? Internal meetings are great too. And I think I saw this also from a different perspective. I used to run our sales team for a period of my last company and I was on the receiving end of other people's notes. And so like as a manager trying to understand what's happening to be like, oh, here's three notes from the sales call. When again, all I really wanted was show me that 30 second clip of them, you know, pushing back on our pricing or talking about a competitor and stuff like that. Wow. So I think we focused on one, how do we make it easy for the person on the phone call to be not as stressed out because they're not worried they're missing something. But now we're focused secondly on how do we make it really easy to disseminate those highlights, those important moments out to the right people? Get into Slack, get into your CRM, get it to the right email inboxes. Just make that so easy so that everyone in the company has a shared context. And I think it's something we do at Fathom too is we have lots of Slack channels where you can see feedback coming in. And some of it's textual from email, but a lot of it is here's a 20-second clip from a call that our customer success team is having. And it's just really good because now it means... Everyone, even folks that are not on customer calls like engineering, we all have the same context, right? We're all hearing the same feedback firsthand, and it's really powerful. I want to make a comment on that, and I love that you are paying attention to both sides of the conversation. Those of us that then readily embraced, all right, Zoom, and I love it, and here's what I can do with it. I then became hesitant on the second half which you aren't paying attention to, which is, gee, I wish I could just take this segment. All right, now I've got to go to the administrator. How do I do that? And I go to hell with it. That's right, Jenny. <laughs> right? And you're making it easy to look good, quite frankly. Yeah. And you've added the human element. Yeah. Our goal is to make it so that you actually prefer to do a virtual meeting over an in-person. Right. And so, you know, our core thing we're doing is obviously like taking away the note-taking piece. That's the thing we heard is most stressful. We're also doing other things. Like we give you real-time alerts like, hey, you've been talking for two minutes straight. You've been monologuing. We'll give you a little alert like you've been monologuing. Or we're working on one where it's like, you know, meetings are always running over. Well, here's like, oh, you're two minutes over. And by the way, your upcoming meeting's already in the room. So like they're waiting for you. Right. And we'll be adding things where it's like, okay, you know, let them know like you're running late. There's a lot of little things that the computer can do that just allow us to like do the stuff that humans do well, which is have these conversations and let the computer do all the logistics around it and give us hints and give us clues. I know you can't share secrets. However, you are thinking ahead about some stuff you might do with teams. Could you give me just an idea? We had the CIA guy and he shared us secrets. So we want some secrets from you as well. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good question. I don't think it's anything that you would find too surprising, right? Again, it's, how do, it's basically like routing, right? How do we make sure we route and find these moments that matter, right? In different groups, people care about different things, right? Like we often find that someone in marketing wants to hear about all the like excited customer moments. We hear that the CEO wants to hear about product feedback. The VP of sales wants to hear about competitors. Different people want to hear different things. And okay. how do we make it really easy for you to kind of subscribe to that feed of things? The thing we have found is that recording calls is not new, right? Like we've been recording calls for a couple of years. Most of the problem is that like those recordings aren't very accessible and no one has the time to go watch. You know, I ran our sales team. I didn't want to watch the 10 hours of meetings that were being generated every week, especially right. when 80% of them 
were kind of the same. Like they're kind of on rails, right? Like I, my team had a script. And that's actually one of the things we found. Only about 10 to 15% of a call is noteworthy. And so that explains why none of us want to rewatch an entire call. <laughs> yes. like, when I watch this movie, if 85% of it was like boring and I've already seen it, like, no. Wonderful. That's great. Oh, it's fantastic. The ease of video editing and audio editing connected to Zoom, connected to transcribing. It's a great idea. So I have a question down here, which is ridiculous, but I do want to understand it. What's the main reason why Zoom chose to fund you? Obviously, because it's a ridiculously amazing idea. I'm just wondering, how did that go? Did Zoom like find you? Did you find them? Or Yeah. Well, we found them in some ways because right when we started the company, we were trying to feel like we knew we kind of want to do something like this. We weren't exactly sure the technical way to go about it. And we started going down one's one path. And then Zoom announced that they were building out this whole new kind of like plug-in architecture for Zoom. And as soon as we heard that, it was funny. We've been like, we wish Zoom had a plug-in architecture. Yeah. And then a month later, they announced that, which was like a great and also really scary day for me because they announced it and they said, it's coming out soon. Here's the 30 partners we're working with on this. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh my gosh, like, here's the thing we've wanted. Like, but it's happening without us. And how do we get involved? We did a lot of things to kind of like break into that program. Like I raised money from a bunch of people that knew Zoom really well. And the guy who named Zoom is one of our investors and like one of the first investors. So I went and built a bunch of friends at Zoom. But in the end, what happened was like, I just cold emailed the right person who was in charge of that program and made a pitch of like, here's why I think we'd be a great addition to your platform. And to their credit, they were very open to that. And they're like, great, yeah, let's let's get you in. And so that led to us being one of the launch partners, one of the first 50 apps on the platform, which obviously, you know, got us working more closely with Zoom and stuff, so on and so forth. So as we were raising other money, Zoom kind of like warned about this and was like, yeah, we want to invest in companies that are investing in us and building on our platform. So it was a very like symbiotic thing. Now, what I would love to do is take that whole clip, your answer, and show it to my leadership and innovation and entrepreneurship MBA class students. Here's what an entrepreneur does. That was like, as you said, Mitch, that's why he's the entrepreneur and we're not. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm an entrepreneur, but I don't have any problem. I can't code anything. They don't let me code anymore either. Oh, they don't. Okay. All right. No, no, no. No. Stay away. <laughs> right. Okay. Just come up with these great ideas. Yeah. No, it is really cool for those of us who think we are Zoom professionals. You know, I found it about Fathom. This is like a marketing for Fathom, but I used to do marketing, which is like, you know, okay, Zoom, how do you do this? Oh, there's a little button down there on Zoom. For those of you who don't know, it says apps. I've never used it before. Then I click on it and then boom, Fathom was at the top, like with the angels singing, pick me, pick me. And I downloaded it. I just used it for a meeting and it was just, I could not believe that the quality of the audio was just phenomenal as I played it back and all the different buzz, you know, it's like going to Disneyland for a Zoom call. Just really I love cool. it. Hey, there's a good tagline for you. So here we go. <laughs> You're asked okay. to speak in front of Ginny's class and Ginny basically teaches MBAs all day and all night. And you're going to direct them in how to be better leaders in this virtual world. And you could pimp out your product, but you're like, you know, you guys or gals, this is what I've learned on how to, let's say, utilize technology, how to lead a virtual team, how to use great apps. This is what you guys were missing. And this is my wisdom for you to be much better at what you do. I think the two guiding principles I have for our remote teams, one is, again, I'm obsessed with making sure everyone has context. 
I think the one thing you always have as a CEO is you have the most context or you should, right? Like you generally see across the entire org. And so that allows you to make a lot of like smart decisions just because you have the context. Now, if you want to empower other people to make good decisions, you need them to have the same, maybe not the exact same level of context, but you need to like figure out how you can give people almost the same level of context you do. And so some of that is coming up with processes, typically asynchronous processes, right? Like the ones I was mentioning about how we get, you know, highlights from the front end from our customer calls in front of engineers. Other part is like, how do we get the roadmap in front of what's happening, like in front of customer success people? So there's a lot of what I think about every day is like, what are the new kind of like ambient asynchronous communications we can be doing to just make sure everyone kind of is on the same page. And it's a constant tuning process because you'll set up some new feed like, okay, here's the new roadmap items or something out of a tool. And then you'll come up with some other thing and then you'll like cut the other thing because there's like a finite amount of like capacity for people to like pick up on things. Right. And so I feel like we have very few meetings and we constantly ask like, you know, we have only two standing meetings a week and we often ask like every couple of months, is this meeting still serving us? Does it need to change? I make sure the meetings are generally for discussion, not for content delivery. Content delivery should happen asynchronously. It should ideally happen in a Slack channel or for email. And then constantly be thinking about, are our asynchronous content feeds serving us? Or, you know, we had a channel in the early days that, that showed us every step someone took in the sign-up process, right? Oh, they're at this step. Now they're at this step. Now that worked well about 12 months ago. Now we have way too high volume, so it no longer works, but it served us in that period and helped in that onboarding process. So I feel like as the company's growing up, you're constantly building up some infrastructure to share information and then tearing it down once it's no longer useful. And I think the two mistakes I see a lot are over-reliance on synchronous communication as opposed to asynchronous communication. And this is what in-person companies tend to do is they tend to just put everyone in meetings. In-person companies tend to undervalue the like water cooler ambient awareness. Like a lot of ways in-person companies get this kind of context is people just overhear someone on the phone or talking to someone else or at the lunch table. So you have to be much more intentional about creating those streams. Um, so like over-reliance on meetings as opposed to asynchronous communication and then not revisiting these things, right? Like we set up mm-hmm. this meeting and then we've always had this meeting. So we're going to keep always having this meeting. And honestly, I've found that we almost change our entire meeting structure like every three to six months. And so I think those are the two things I would say are really important. Make sure everyone knows why they're doing what they're doing. Now I'm going to put you in the mode of being a team member. So you're not the team leader. And so now I'm in a meeting. I don't need to take notes anymore because that's done for me in a much better way than I'm even going to take the notes. What are the things I really should be paying attention to now that I'm basically having more meetings that are scripted for me and are more virtual? I think certainly on meetings with customers, I'm always interested in like minute details of issues. I think we always do the same, you know, couple of things over and over the big rocks, but where I think it's really valuable to have a really good success org is where they can see all the little small rocks where it's like, oh, this person's not using this thing because it's got this one little like bug where it's like, oh, for their, I heard one the other day where it was like, oh, I grabbed an opportunity for my CRM that's from five years ago as opposed to one that I just created. Oh, okay. Like that level of like detail is what I think it's that last mile of product that really separates most products these days. There's a lot of people that can go build some tool that does like recording and transcription. Like that's kind of commoditized. It's putting it all together in a way that like works really well in all the situations. And so I'm always trying to tell my team, like I care a lot about getting the little things right. So if you hear any mm-hmm. place where we've gotten the little thing wrong, I really want to hear about that. I want to hear about that more than the thing we hear the top five list, right? I mean, we kind of know the top five list. It's the little things that are going to make people happy. And then on internal meetings, you know, I think the constant challenge is how do you get out of groupthink, right? 
how do you empower people to feel bold enough to challenge the status quo, right? Like, I think one thing I learned in my last company is it's easy in the leadership seat to forget how much like weight your voice weight. carries. And yeah. even things that you say something flippantly, or you just kind of like, you know, cause you know, we get used to just throwing out, you know, making decisions very quickly. They all of a sudden become like ensconced as canon, right? And, yes, right. My last company, I remember, you know, I ran it for 10 years. It's a long time. And I wrote code in the beginning. And I remember near the end of my tenure there, seeing some decisions that I knew that we just kind of made over a beer five, six years earlier that were just kind of flippant, not informed by any data, all of a sudden we're become canonized and we're sacrosanct. And it's like, well, we can't yes. change that. That's core to what the product does. And I was like, guys, guys, like, no, no, we just we just rolled the dice on this six years ago. We just so made that up. We right? just made that up, right? And so, you know, I think empowering the team to, you know, we had, I think we had a value at the last company, which is like nothing is mutable, which is a very like techie way of saying like nothing is unchangeable, right? Like challenge status quo, challenge our existing assumptions. And I think that's the other thing is like really empowering folks, not in leadership to feel comfortable raising their hands. And one part of that is culture and the other part of that is like mechanism. So we always had a like fully anonymous way you could suggest something because speaking truth to power is scary, especially in small teams. And so like, yeah. making sure you've got a way to do that. Yeah, like when we interviewed one of the top guys at Mentimeter, which we found to be an incredible tool for you to have anonymous feedback at any time. And that, of course, was, okay, you need to bring Mentimeter into your meetings. I think Mentimeter has an app on Zoom as well. I'm not sure. Yeah. yeah. Certain people that believe they're like, well, your team should have trust and not need it to be anonymous. And I'm always like... No, I think you don't understand the like employee experience if you think that's true, right? Trust goes in and out. Yeah. You don't just all have it and then you have to keep feeding it. That's a and, really good point. And that is a very key piece of what you've shared with us and why some leaders are struggling. You made the statement that, you know, hey, every three or six months, you've got to revisit the meetings you're having and throw some out. And well, that's a lot of leaders don't like that. Okay, this is set now. Now I don't have to worry about it anymore. <laughs> right. And yet we're throwing stuff at leaders now. No, you've got this fathom and you've got to now put something together that's more powerful. It's a constancy to it that some leaders, I believe, are struggling to embrace. Oh, we'll see how this all comes up. And one of the most difficult shifts for a lot of these in-person companies to remote work was they didn't truly have trust between leadership and ICs, right? Like, And this is why everyone freaked. I mean... It's interesting. I think sales was the manager layer that struggled the most with their teams going remote because salespeople are, oh, there's always like, I want to see my team in their seat, like doing the calls, right? And okay, you're like, unpack that. Like, why is that? It's like, oh, because there's just this inherent, like, subtle lack of trust, right? They're like, oh, I'm worried my team doesn't actually know what they're doing if I'm not listening to them every day, yeah. if I'm not in their ear. And so yeah. that's like the root cause that no one really wants to talk about. They think it's about something else, but that's the root cause, right? Yeah. Yeah. Right. You're well, doing exciting things. You're doing exciting things. Really, God, it's an incredible product. So you. now you're going to put on your sales and marketing hat. For all of those listeners who are like, oh my gosh, I need to check out Fathom. I need to learn about it. <clears throat> What's the best way for them to find your product? Yeah. So we are on the web at fathom.video. Uh, so it's not .com, it's .video. Mm -hmm. And actually, if you go to fathom.video slash pod, you'll get kind of flagged and you can sign up for Fathom and skip the wait list. So we have a lot of, thankfully now we're in a place where we get a lot of inbound requests every day. 
we try to make sure everyone has a great experience. So we sometimes throttle signups. We talked about this before the call. Like we spend a lot of time and effort on customer care and customer support. Yeah. Part of that is making sure we only let people sign up if we know we can support them. So, but if you go to that link, fathom.video slash pod, we will prioritize your sign up and make sure you don't hit the wait list. All right. Oh, yeah. And I was just sharing before the call that I signed up and I had so much support. And oh, we got to end on this. The five figures for free. Tell us what that is. Oh, I think, yeah. So I have this mantra I say internally, which is like, I want to provide the level of support you get from a five figure SaaS product for a free SaaS product. And my soapbox, I think, for most SaaS products, most companies do a terrible job of customer care. And especially if it's like if you're on a free version, right? You've got to like, you, if you need some help, you've got to like, dig through the knowledge base and like they make it really hard to contact them. And, you know, they send out replies where if you send a reply to their email, it goes to no reply. Oh gosh, I know. We've lived there. Yeah. Yeah. And so I don't understand it because, you know, we have our team is 50-50 engineering and customer success. And I think that's the right balance because it's one half product and one half the care that goes around that. Because if you go look at a lot of our ratings, we've got really good ratings on things like G2, our highest rating is actually customer support. And, I think it's both our team does a great job. So yeah. I think it's just a place, you know, my last company, this is being talked about 10 years ago. And I thought companies were going to get the religion of like, why this is a great investment. And they just have it, right? And they still have this mindset of like, let's spend the least amount of money on this as possible. We have the opposite mindset. And I think it served us really well. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah. But with the A&D solution. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. So yeah, for me, it was, I signed up and used it. And someone reached out and said, hey, want to schedule time with you to tell us how you're doing if you need some help. I was like, this is a different world. Anyways, I want to thank you, Richard. That was so insightful. Really great to see the way your mind works. Great to see your passion for the product and also to learn about this incredible product that I'm going to be using it every single time now that I'm on Zoom. And I'm not kidding awesome. about that. Ginny, thank you so much. Any questions as well. And thank you to our listeners out there. Please share. Please go download Fathom. Please share this with your friends, your colleagues, your family. And we look forward to seeing you next time on our next episode of Team Anywhere. <laughs> <laughs>